Welcome back to the Red Sox On Deck podcast, where we touch on prospects at all levels. This is episode 14. I'm your host, Bob Osgood, and joining me as the calendar turns to June is Shelly Verstraight. Shelly, how was your long weekend? Um, I mean, it was great. I mean, it was full of just baseball and relaxing and just everything. And it is crazy to think that it's already June. It's unbelievable. One-third mark of the season. I mean, the season was over last year after two months. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine? So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not... I hate talking about the weather, but 72 hours of rain out here. I can't believe they even got two games in in that series against the Marlins. And then I think Sunday they just said, well, we got two in. We'll just chalk that up as a win. But just nasty games. Yeah, again, it it looked horrible. I mean, I'm in, you know, I'm in Virginia. So I was just kind of like watching. And I'm like, that looks, all of that weather that I saw the entire weekend when I was watching the Sox. It looked horrible, so <laughs> it just yeah. What a gr- what a great way to welcome a full house back into the uh, into Fenway, huh? Than that, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so we'll start off with some news and notes. We actually pretty short week. We recorded on the later end last week, and we're recording on Tuesday. Um, but there there is plenty of um, action at the different levels. Not a whole lot in terms of news and notes, but I figured we could start with the Olympic qualifiers. We're one game in, and I know that the United States are playing a second game tonight. Um, But with the first game against Nicaragua, uh, Jaron Duran went three for six with two RBIs. Um, I think the biggest note there is just the impression that he has made on his teammates and his coaches. And I know, Chelly, you saw part of the game yesterday and wanted to touch on Duran and, and Cash's performance a little bit. Uh, yeah, um, I, I was really impressed with Duran. Um, I mean, I mean I've mean, i just been loving what Duran has been doing at the plate, uh, basically since the alternate site where he made that swing change. Um, he looked great. He looked very comfortable at the dish. Um, and there was prior to the game that there was a report on Baseball America that basically all of his, uh, teammates and coaching staff have just absolutely fallen in love. Just like, you know, everyone else in Red Sox Nation has fallen in love with Jaron Duran. They love, you know, just his poise, his talent, just everything from him. Um, and he just really showed it off with his first game, you know, going three for six with two RBI. It was just it was just really really great to see. It was a great game. Um, Cassis, uh, he wasn't necessarily that great at the dish, um, but at first base, um, he you know he flashed you know some leather there. Like he had there was a really heads up play where there was kind of like a unsuccessful double play, and a a a runner was just trying to kind of sneak you know, sneak another another base, but Cassis was like, oh no, no you don't. So he, you know, gunned it over to third and, you know, picked that guy off. So it actually was a, a double play when it shouldn't have been. So it was a really good, um, a really good, exciting game for Duran and Cassis. 
Yeah, we don't talk about, or you don't hear as much talk about Cassius's defense, but yeah. um, he's got a gun for an arm, and everything that you read is that, you know, for such a big guy, he's just got good feet around the bases, and I think through through 90 miles an hour at some point in high school or early on in the minors, so he can do it all, and, and that's great to hear that he's contributing beyond uh, at the plate or, or when he's not having a big game at the plate. Uh, that Baseball America article was excellent. You know, Mike Sosha said seeing him in person, his first step is incredible everywhere, whether he's trying to steal a base or he's in center field. He's a five-tool player. When you call a guy a five-tool player, you're saying that he's special. He's in an elite group. So, I mean, Mike Sosha's coached a few guys over the years, and <laughs> hearing that from him is awesome. You hear the veteran players like Todd Frazier in that article saying that he's opened his eyes as much as anybody with the young kids so far. Uh, he and he Durant hit a home run. I think he was the only prospect to hit a home run in any of the exhibition games on the later end of last week. So nothing but good things so far. Um, I know that Jeter Downs and Jerry Downs playing for Columbia. Jeter went 0 for 3 with two strikeouts in the first game. Um against Canada so we'll continue to monitor Duran Cassis and Downs and the last note that I had I missed it last week I have to bid adieu to Garrett Whitlock who officially graduated from prospect status uh, 45 days on the active roster so we talked about him as much as anybody and I just figured I'd give him one final farewell but I'm sure we'll be back <laughs> to Garrett at some point because he's our boy here um, yeah. All right. So moving on, we're going to go through each level, kind of give some updates on where the teams are at, what their records are. I want to start in Portland because at 15-9 and nine in the Eastern League, the Sea Dogs are a game and a half behind the Somerset Patriots from the New York Yankees farm. Josh Winkowski on Saturday against the Hartford Yard Goats pitched seven innings, gave up one hit, no walks, no runs, nine strikeouts, and on the year, it's thrown 27 innings, only given up four earned runs. It's a 133 ERA, 089 whip, 26 strikeouts in those 27 innings. Um, you know, see, now the most exciting piece that came over in the Benintendi deal, uh, or at least what we know so far. Um, yes. So what we know so far, like, I was not a big Franchi Cordero fan, even in his San Diego days, in his Kansas City days. Um, so I wasn't exactly to, I wasn't exactly excited to see that he was, you know, coming over to Boston and the Benny trade. Um, and honestly, I didn't know a lot about Winkowski, but I've been impressed. Like, this guy, while... Maybe he's not a good, like, strikeout guy, um, you know, just strikeouts per nine guy, but he gets a lot of ground balls, and it seems um, that he doesn't give up a lot of hard contact, right? Um, yeah. He, he was keeping yeah. the ball down. I saw some highlights from his latest start, keeping the ball down in the zone. His changeup looks really good. It might have just been catching him on a good day. I think it was kind of a, an average pitch in a lot of the scouting reports, but he was getting whiffs on it. He was keeping the ball down. Um, and, you know, throwing seven innings at double A must have been low in the pitch count, only giving up one base runner. Um, so it's good to see. And going along with that, as we said so far, there's still three players to be named later that are remaining in that deal. And normally you wouldn't see that 
this long into the season in June, but one, we didn't start until May, and two, with the um, season canceled last year, there was some writing into that trade that the Red Sox would have more time to evaluate these players to be named. Um, in On the Mass Live article, Chris Cotillo mentioned that the the best player of the three is assumed to be from the Mets, and then there are two players to be named from the Royals in that three-way trade. So it sounds like by this Friday is the deadline for the Mets. They don't know um, when the two Royals players are coming over, but it's going to be interesting to see if it's a, uh, a relevant prospect coming over from the Mets or any of the other two that we get from Kansas City. Um, you know, I wasn't in favor of that deal. I think we kind of sold low on Benintendi, but it'll be interesting to see when we know all five assets coming back. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. I wasn't the biggest fan of the Benny uh, trade, um, but yeah, I, knowing that the the trade will quote unquote finally be over with, maybe very soon, um, is very just kind of I guess encouraging. Yeah, put some closure and and move on yeah. on that whole thing. All right. Um, so we're going to move on to, to Worcester from there. Uh, they had four straight wins since we recorded early on Thursday. They won Thursday, Friday, or uh, a doubleheader on Saturday, and then a win on Sunday. So 4-0 and since we last talked, giving a 4-2 series win over the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. So uh, Worcester Red Sox are 15-9. and They're two games back in the International League of uh, scranton wilkes Bar Rail Raiders, also from the Yankees. Um, not a ton to really note on some standout performances. Uh, I figured we could start with Brandon Workman. Shelly, you noticed something right before we came on about some, some news with Workman. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just right before we, uh, you know, basically press record on this pod. Yeah, he opted out of his minor league deal, um, basically because he, I think that he didn't feel that he was going to get a major league, uh, opportunity. Um, but the Red Sox have 48 hours to either promote Workman or either release him. So, honestly, I hope that we promote him. Um, but yeah, there is, uh, yeah, I, I just, I just don't know why we would actually release Workman. He's looked good so far. Yeah, I mean, why did they roll the dice if they weren't <clears throat> going to give that a shot? The only thing would be making a move with the 40 man that we talked about last week. I think you got to see what you have. And reading Rob Bradford had a great piece the other day on WEI about how his fastballs back into the 90s, and it was not there uh, with Philadelphia. And he had been working on his cutter a lot more. Um, had been he threw that 20% of the time. Uh, Bradford noted in 2019 with hitters hitting 077 against the cutter, and he kind of scrapped it when he was pitching with the Phillies and, and then the Cubs, was designated for assignment, and um, they've been working on that pitch. I guess the cutter has improved, and he's throwing harder. So, yeah, there's a 40-man move. I don't know what it would be, whether we mentioned, you know, Hudson Potts could get transferred to the 60-day, or maybe they get rid of a different reliever. But Colton Brewer came up and got hit around hard yesterday, and they at least should see what they have, you would think, with Workman. So I would like to see... Yeah between those two options that they give it a shot, but there could be a roster crunch. Who knows? Um, wanted to mention a couple other notes. 
Michael Chavis went down, went 0 for 7 with six strikeouts and a doubleheader on Saturday. We noted how terrible the weather was, so I'm going to give him a pass, but probably not the outcome that they were hoping to see with <laughs> Chavis getting sent down. The, the six strikeouts was a bit of a uh, jumped off the page when I was going through the, the box scores this weekend. Um, and then another pitcher, Steven Gonzalez, who has been a starter with Worcester, and he has not had great numbers, and I don't think he's thought of as uh, he's more kind of a, an organizational depth starter, but I was looking at his splits. He's So he's 2-1 overall with a 4.07 ERA in 24 innings, but against lefties, he has a allowed a 2.00 ERA with a FIP of 0.93, and, uh, and it faced 31 batters, so there's a pretty solid sample size. And then against righties, uh, allowed a 5.84 ERA with 66 batters faced. Um, striking out 16 per 9 against lefties and 12.4 against righties. So the strikeouts have been there for Gonzalez, and I wonder, you know, as he gets older, I think he's into um, later in his 20s now, if he could be an option as a, a left-handed reliever. You can't really have specialists as much, but, um, you know, maybe a year from now or in a pinch if they needed a left-handed pitcher. It's interesting to see just how good his splits are against left-handers because... Um, they'll probably have to make some sort of move with him at some point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just looking at these splits, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I remember Casabes, you know, over um, in the Twins org. I was kind of a fan, but it didn't really end well. But if we can get just, you know, just an interesting bullpen guy um, who can just face lefties, I know it's a little bit harder with, like, the you know the three batter minimum rule yeah but these splits like when you showed them to me i'm like oh oh geez oh yeah. oh gosh yeah this is this is interesting so yeah i i would love to see him just in the pen yeah and so he's going to be 27 in a month or so um kind of throws from the left side at a three-quarter arm slot so he must have some deception against left-handed hitters that it's just something to monitor there as we've outlined quite a few of the other players at, at Worcester so far. Moving on to the A-levels, we'll start at Greenville. Um, the Greenville Drive had a series against the Rome Braves and they lost four out of the six games. 10-14 uh, record so far, um, tied for last out of the seven teams, but only four games behind the first play. Everyone's between 14-10 and 10 and 10-14 and in that division. Um, I'm going to talk about some pitchers this week. Uh, you you made a note about outside of Brian Bayo. Uh, well, no other starter has an ERA below 5.48. So who did you want to talk about this week and, and um, kind of some ups and downs with some of those starters at Greenville so far? Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been really enjoying uh, Bayo, But um, uh, Jake Rune, he kind of had a good outing. His last outing, um, last couple outings, but his last outing especially, um, he had a five um, inning outing, four Ks, one hit, one earned run. Um, I I don't really know what I think about Jake Room because, um, you know, at the beginning of the of the minor league season, he really got hit around, then hit the injured list, and then came back. Looks okay, but. Yeah, I don't know. There's been like so much injury and and 
ups, well, uh, not ups, but downs when it comes to groom. I don't know what to right. think. Maybe I need, I think that I need to see a little bit more from groom before I start to get excited. But, you know, these last couple of starts, it's been pretty good. It's almost like he needs to pitch himself into shape some of these years, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, career MILB stats, 3-11, and 11, 571 ERA, 145 whip. And he's still at the A level. So it's just so hard to be confident. Um, but you see the stuff and you see highlights here and there and how good his curveball looks. And now he's had two good outings in a row where he was able to get to five innings the other day, like you mentioned. Hey, his ERA is down under eight. The first time we talked about him was in the 18s. So it's getting there. Um, would love to see him keep that rolling and get to double A, but I just don't have a whole lot of confidence in that. Um, yeah. But talent's there. We, we all know he was the, the 12th pick. Uh, and then along with that, uh, Chris Murphy, what have you what have you seen there so far? Um, honestly, what I've seen from Chris Murphy is a lot of hits and a lot of walks, which is not great. Like I, I, I was a big fan of Chris Murphy after he was drafted, and how it it seemed um, outside of his college. Uh, production it seemed like when he you know transitioned into professional ball right he he changed his pitch mix just a little bit and his walks kind of decreased i'm like okay maybe we have something here but you know we start the season out in 2020 um and the walks have increased and he's starting to get hit around a lot and i he's just you know i've seen a, a few innings here and there he's just really not fooling anyone you know when you watch some guy when you watch a pitcher and you can just tell that he's just trying to make it work and it's not working that's kind of what I'm seeing from Chris Murphy which kind of you know makes me a little bit concerned um I know this was yeah. kind of like a a big kind of step up for him um you know going up to Greenville but yeah he has he has some work to do there yeah I was I agree with you. I was excited to see him this year, uh, especially after some time off and kind of hearing about some of his training approaches and his pitch mix. Um, but yeah, the the walk, 12 walks in 23 innings, and that's always been the book on Murphy. I was really hoping that, that, that the control would improve. He's striking guys out, but just too many walks and um, getting hit around a little bit. So we'll see, but not the... Through five starts, not not the greatest start for Murphy um, at Greenville. Moving along to Salem, they lost five out of six last week to Myrtle Beach, uh, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans Cubs affiliate. They're down to 12 and 12 overall. Um, some big names that we've talked about plenty. Uh, Nick York, Alberto Jimenez. Where do you want to start, Shelly, with each of those? Um... I guess I'll start out with uh, Nick York. Um, yeah. I I don't. Uh, this is actually his his line is kind of surprising. Um, you know, you know, we drafted him in the, the first round of last year. He went to the alt site and he was looking like really good. I remember watching, uh, you know, video that they were putting out, and he looked like he was hitting very well against 
you know, upper tier, major league kind of-esque pitching. So I was expecting him to go gangbusters at Salem. Um, And he's not. I mean, he's only hitting 195. He's striking out 23% of the time. I mean, he's one of the youngest players in the league. But I don't know. I just expected a little bit more from, from him. So... And maybe, maybe I was expecting too much from someone so young. Yeah. Too early to make a call, for sure. Yeah. Um, he had a couple hits in the most recent game on Sunday. He was two for three. So hopefully that gets him going a little bit. I definitely want to talk about Hilberto Jimenez. Um, a couple of different thoughts. I retweeted a SoxProspects.com video on my account the other day where it's really interesting to see his slowed down swings from both sides. Uh, they put a side by side of the left hand swing and the right hand swing. And my first thought was, you know, the left handed swing just looks slappy and just kind of a, a raw swing. And the right one, right handed swing, looks so natural. So I was starting to think, you know, depending on how this season unfolds, you know, and took a look at in each of his left-handed and right-handed split. So my assumption and the book on Jimenez has been that it's a better swing from the right side, um, you know, more power from that side, left-handed, you know, could be for better average, but would that um, continue at the higher levels, you know, slapping to the left side of the infield and trying to beat that out with 70-grade speed at least. Uh, he's hitting 377 against right-handed pitching this year, which would be his left-handed side. He's at 377 with nine RBIs in 67 plate appearances. Um, versus lefties from the right side, he's hitting 182 and has a 32% strikeout rate compared to 10% um, from the left side, which is just screwing with my head here because I was expecting the opposite. And um, 433 OBP from the left and 182 from the right because he doesn't have a walk from that side yet. So, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? It really just interesting start to his season. Yeah, it's uh yeah, when you brought this up to me, I'm just like, yeah, I have I have no idea what to think. Um I kind of always wanted Jimenez to just kind of pick a side. Um I mean, I'm thinking of um like Cedric Mullins of the Baltimore Orioles, who was always a switch hitter. Yeah. And then when he finally just, quote-unquote, picked a side, it has totally clicked this year. Um, some guys can switch it. Some guys can't. Um, I don't yeah, know. I just don't Jimenez, know which side. Exactly. <laughs> which side he like, should pick. 100%. Like, when you were putting, you know, when you put out these stats, I'm like, I don't know which side he should pick. He should yeah. pick a side because I do think that I, I do think that he really should be one side or the other. I don't know which side, but he needs to pick one yeah. because yeah, yeah. Right. And and he's gonna ride this out as long as he can and hopefully yeah. you know, he's in low A. This is where you want to work those things out. He's hitting three twenty five. He's on base thirty seven percent of the time. He's had a very good season to start. Four steals. Um you know, doing everything that we would hope from a general line, but just seeing those splits is interesting. Um, definitely want to see 
kind of how that unfolds. You, you would think maybe midseason might get a promotion to see how he can handle uh, the high A level, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, all right. And then last name that we had at Salem this week, Jax Croshans, who is a catcher at low A. Uh, you may have also heard his brother uh, Jordan in the Toronto organization uh, hitting 306 so far. Um, what do you what do you make of that? Do you think there could be might we have a, a late round flyer that works out for us here? Um, maybe. Um, I was really impressed. Like, well, I was just looking at the past couple weeks and just stats and just seeing that you know Groshans, whatever. Anytime I would sort by any type of category, he was kind of sort of around the area. You know, I just want to give him some, you know some you know a hat tip here um three or six four seventy that's pretty good and i know that salem is not necessarily the biggest like home run park and he's just hitting really well i would love to see him just to get a you know a promotion um and just to see how he does but yeah he just has performed really well um and uh yeah I, i i i would I would think that he would get the promotion to Greenville pretty soon. Yeah, and he's 22, so definitely yeah. older for the level. But, I mean, what was he supposed to do? We didn't have a season last year, so it's so hard to yeah. to think of that as a negative with any of these players who missed a year. Um, he was a fifth-round pick from Kansas in 2019. Looked at his junior year, and he hit 340 with a 475 on base. Um, 604 slugging so just great numbers that year 12 homers 46 rbi um you know in a power conference um you know the seems like he's a an average hitter where the potential to be an average hitter where the defense needs to catch up i was reading a post from 2019 on prospects live where he threw out oswald peraza um stealing which yeah what's the big deal there well, Peraza's 15 for 16 on steals in 23 games this year at high A. Um, yeah. it, arguably the best base stealer in all of the minor leagues. So uh, that was good to see. It seems like he has a, a pretty good arm at times. Uh, might be a little bit inconsistent, but if that defense can catch up, great start with the bat. And like you said, hopefully we can see him move up a level later this year. Um, so that's Jax Groshans. Um, all right, that's what we have today. If you enjoy what we do here, can you please leave us a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen to the Over the Monster podcast? We have the On Deck podcast and the Over the Monster podcast with Matt Collins and Brian Joyner, the Red Seat with Jake Devereaux and Keaton DeRocher, and the Free Cat pod with Shelly and Keaton. Shelly, anything to add or plug you have going on this week? Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.